hear about all the different things going on in the church. Thank you for Tanya uh, for that. Just so you know, it's grade 10 to 12 who go to LA, and then we have Portland, and we have all sorts of different things that go on for uh, ages through six, grade six through to 12. Um, so you can support those in any any number of different ways. So this morning, let's uh, let's let's jump in, and, and I just want to ask you a question. If somebody was to say to you, "What is Christianity all about?" This might be. I hope this is a question you get asked on a regular basis from people, uh, especially if you are uh, a Jesus follower. What is Christianity about? And you quite rightly would say, I hope, something around like, "Well, Christianity is about Jesus and how Jesus." came to earth and, and lived an incredible life and then ultimately died for our sins, died for us so that we could then live life forever with him in heaven. That would be a standard answer as to what Christianity is all about. And, and to a certain extent, that is absolutely true. But what we're going to see this morning is the, the fuller answer because God has actually a different way of looking at it. He has a different way of looking at what Christianity is about. So we're going to read this scripture in Galatians chapter 4, and, um, and, and this particular verse really sums up what Christianity is about. And it says this, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Uh, it's, it's an interesting... Like, so. For those of you who kind of like to analyze and maybe study scripture, and I hope you all do, okay, what's Christianity all about? Is it about childbirth? Um, is it about uh, being perplexed? And, and uh, well, no, the, the, the key phrase in the center of that verse is actually this, that until Christ is formed in you. If you want to know what God's not-so-secret plan is, is that Jesus Christ be formed in you. In you. Well, now that applies to you if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian a long time or a short time. It replies to you whether you're a teenager, whether you're a, uh, that you've lived a good number of years so far. It applies to you if you don't know Jesus yet. If you maybe just know Christianity and maybe you've th- thought Christianity is just something that you are or something you've done, uh, but you're not yet kind of, you just know that there's that extra step that you've not taken yet, then it applies to you as well. This idea that Jesus Christ is formed in you, God's not-so-secret plan, as you read through the New Testament, is that he wants us to be like Jesus. Not in a kind of a uh, copying way, but that Jesus is actually being formed in us, which is what Paul says in that scripture, that Christ is formed in you. So he's saying, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, we'll talk about that in a second, until Christ is formed in you. Paul's focus for this Galatian church, Paul's focus for us as this church, God's focus for us as individuals is that Jesus be formed in you. What does that mean? Well, I have to ask another question because the reality is, and the truth is, is that, oh, my clicker stopped working. Yeah, no, it's gone. So we'll do the next slide. Pardon? Oh, there you go. Who is being formed in you? That's a bit of a strange question. If God's plan is for that Jesus Christ be formed in you, the next question is, well, if God wants Jesus to be formed in us, that's somehow replacing something else going on in us. Who is being formed in you? Who is being formed in you? 
What is it that is actually we are focusing and we're forming our lives around an image that is going on inside of us? It's dictating our decisions. Now, it could be very literal, and especially the younger you are, this is especially the case. So listen up. There are people in your world, influencers, literally now called influencers, if you follow social media, who that many young people will form their lives around. They want to look like them, talk like them, think like them, listen to their music, act like them, walk like them. Just, I want to be that person. And it dictates what they wear, the makeup, their jewelry, their hairstyle, their, the, what shoes they wear, uh, what products they use, everything. They're literally called influences. It might be a pop Uh, A music artist, it could be somebody who's a very successful athlete. The marketing world forms great industries around these people. If you look at Instagram or or any of the social media driven by imagery, there are influencers, especially young women, who, who actually form their whole lives around this, and it's a very lucrative business that they will show a product and because they're usually quite pretty or they they have a, a, a an image that is projected out there that people want and well if they use that product I'm going to use that product it's who is being formed in you that if I spent some time with you would I actually get to know the real you or am I getting to know somebody you are forming your life on doesn't change as we get older as we get older this image might change it might uh, it might it might mold, and we might have start to think the image that we want to be in the future. How do we want to change? What is it that we're listening to, or spending time with, or watching that we go? Oh, it might be a self help person. It could be a, somebody who's very successful in the business world. It could be somebody who's another mum or dad who just seems to have their life together. I want to drive what they're driving, have their house and have their stroller and their kids just seem to be immaculate all the time. I want to be like them. Who is it you are forming your life around? I was reading this week about the richest man in the world, Jeff Bezos or Bezos, I'm not sure how you say his last name, Canadian. He's worth $120 billion, which is an astronomical amount of money. It's very difficult to describe how much that money is, except this one story actually shows me how rich he actually is. Um, So he recently bought Hollywood's most expensive house. It's worth around about, in Canadian terms, about $200 million for a a house in Hollywood. To put that into perspective, just so you understand how rich Jeff Bezos actually is, him buying that $200 million house is the same as somebody on $40,000 a year Canadian spending $100 on a house. Think about that. That's how much of an impact it's had on his wealth. 100 bucks for somebody who's on 40,000 a year. If you're on 80,000, 50 bucks. Nah, you thought I didn't know, but I got there in the end. $50 for a house. That's how rich he is. People look at the most wealthy and go, I want to have their freedom. Do you really? You really want that? Are we forming our lives around influences in the world that we're actually basing our, oh, if I could just be like that. So that causes me to ask this question. Why do we do that? Why do we have an image of the future self that is different from the present self? It's very simple. It's because in some way, many of us are very discontent with where we are right now. Like the fitness injuries, spends millions, billions of dollars every year 
in trying to get you to feel bad about yourself. Don't you? Well, maybe you don't answer that. But you know, you, you're standing at Save-On, you're waiting for the checkout, and you glance over at the magazine rack. Have you ever thought about why they put the magazines there? Because they know that you're stood there. That's, that's very, very lucrative marketing space. You just stood there, and you're looking at all those beautiful, amazing, and I've said this before, the top 1% of the 1% are on that magazine front. And we go, oh, I wish I was like him, or I wish I was like her. And it creates this dissatisfaction, this discontentment. And the whole marketing industry is based on trying to formulate this inside of us. And while at the same time, here's the thing I want you to know from this morning's message. The very thing we long for is what God wants for us as well. We want to feel content with who we are, what we have, what we do. And we think if we get more of something, then we'll feel more content. Whereas what God says in the Bible, and and listen up, it's not about what we get. It's about who's being formed inside side of us that dictates how content we are. So if you feel discontentment, there's a difference between discontentment and drive, because Paul says, I strive for that I might know him more. But if you're discontent with life, with what you have, then maybe start asking the question, well, who is it that's been formed in me? What image do I have of myself in the future that is different from me now? But here's the beautiful thing. God, listen to me, God does not want a different you, an improved you. He doesn't want the same you in the future with more money in your pockets and flatter abs. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want an improved you in the future. What he promises is a radically different, completely new you. So he promises Jesus being formed in us. And the promise is is that Jesus isn't just going to improve your life. He's going to destroy your life divinely, ruin it in a beautiful way, and build something completely new out of it that will actually create contentment that some of us dream about. Now that to me sounds pretty good. That's God's plan for you. That Christ be formed in you. And so Paul starts off this passage by saying, Brothers, I entreat you. Galatians 4.12. He's shifting his focus from, like, he's been really railing into this Galatian church up till now. Now he's showing this loving kindness. He has a deep concern for them. He says, Brothers, I entreat you. And then he carries on, Become as I am, for I also have become as you are. That's an interesting thing for Paul to say. What he's doing just to follow the theme through, he's setting himself up as an influencer. Become like me. That is a brave thing to say. I I hope that you'll never hear me say that. You just need to be like me, guys. If you're like me, you'll be okay. Wow! Now, trust me, on the internet... That's exactly what's being communicated. If you can become just like me, all your worries will go away. That's a height of pride there. That's a whole other sermon. Paul is saying, become like me because I was like you. Why, Why is he saying that? Here's what Paul is communicating. He's saying, look, Christ is being formed in me. I'm content and I am free. I'm content and I'm free. How do we know that? Look at his resume. He was shipwrecked. Beaten, bitten by snakes. He was stoned in a, stoning by the way, large rocks, dig a hole, throw somebody in it and throw rocks on top of them. So literally they're dead and buried. He was shipped direct twice. He spent a day and a night at sea floating around. 
He's been wealthy, he said. He's been poor. And he said, yet I am still content. I'm still content. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I've had everything, I've had nothing, and I'm still content. He says, I have learned to be content, though. He presses into Jesus. This man says, look, you kill me, I get to meet Jesus. (laughs) I win. You let me live and throw me into prison, great. I'm just going to sing hymns and tell my prison guards about Jesus. I win. You can't do anything to this guy. He's untouchable. He is completely unfazed by life circumstances. It's not that he just floats through it and he's oblivious. It hurts. It's painful. But he's not, his contentment is not twisted or changed by it because Jesus is being formed within him. Contentment for Paul is king. He's untouchable. And he carries on. He says this, You did me no wrong. You know it because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Here's what Paul is doing here. He's reminding them of their history. This is as we're getting to that verse I started with. This is just the back end of it. He's reminding them of how much they've changed, how much love there was shown, that they took a risk taking him in. So I'm going to say something that I might have to apologize to Paul for when I get to heaven. But I'm fairly confident I'm right. I think Paul was an ugly little man. I really do. I know that he couldn't speak very well because he said that. Now we're finding out that he has a contagious, likely contagious eye disease. That this trial... How many people do you know that it's a trial to be in their presence? Don't put your hands up. Oh yes, amen to that, Brother Glenn. It's a trial. But, but the actual language around here is suggesting that Paul has something wrong with his eyes that is actually contagious, yet these people took him in. The reason I think he's a little ugly man, <laughs> I, I'm just being logical, okay? And I may apologize, and I, would happily, and I actually don't think he cares me saying this if, if he's listening right now, which is kind of a scary thought. Um, that anybody who's been beaten that much, whipped, shipwrecked, bitten, stoned, doesn't come through life like that with no scars. I reckon Paul was in constant pain. I really do. And I think you could see, I'm, I'm sure you could see literally the scars and the beatings in his face. Yet they take him in. And here's just as an aside what I love about Christianity. Anybody... Anybody who says that Jesus, that Christianity is exclusive and nobody is welcome, you just need to look at the main characters in Christianity to see that that's not true. Yes, it's exclusive. Jesus is the only way. But it is 100% inclusive in a way that this world has got nothing to compare to. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. And these people, bless them, took Paul in, even though he was a contagious, likely not great looking, didn't speak very well, He had all these reasons why, oh, really? Brought them in. And I'm grateful that we are part, in Willow Park Church, of a community that does that week in, week out. This place, South, through the South Art Project and everything, all the different uh, things that go on in this place, is a welcoming. You are expected and you are accepted. You are loved. You belong, even if you don't yet believe. That's what Paul's experience was with this Galatian church. They loved him. Then he says this, but what's become of your blessedness? Where's that gone? 
You loved me, now you don't seem to love me anymore. For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? What is the truth? What is it that he's referring to? Those people, that's what he's referring to, are zealous to win you over, but for no good. So there's a group of people that have come into the church and they've said, look, actually Christianity is not what Paul's been saying. It's different from that. You need this kind of Christianity. You need Jesus plus you need our way. You need Jesus plus circumcision. You need Jesus plus dietary laws. You need Jesus plus the way you live. And we've looked at this a lot over the last few weeks. The idea that Jesus plus my old life, Jesus plus my prosperity, Jesus plus my money, plus my business, plus my family, plus my successful kids, all this, Jesus and. And Paul's like, no, no, no. These people are zealous to win you over, but it won't bring you to any good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them, not for Jesus, for them. Can I warn you, Christian friends, brothers and sisters, be very careful who you zealously follow after that you read. Be very careful what you are bringing into your life. Is it that actually they're pointing to Jesus or are they pointing to themselves? Do they want zeal for them or do they want zeal for Jesus? Is their theology making much of Jesus or is their theology making much of a teaching that they've come up with that isn't even biblical but sounds and looks good and we chase after thinking that there's truth in that? It is fine to be zealous, Paul says, provided the purpose is good and to be so always, not just when I am with you. So don't be fake with me. Don't pretend that you're following after Jesus just when you're around me. Be zealous for Jesus all the time. These false teachers were saying that there's only there's an exclusive elite club that people need to be part of in order to get to be close to Jesus called Judaism. Jesus plus Judaism. Here's the challenge with that. The very nature of everything that Paul has been communicating is that Jesus is all about, that Christianity is all about justification by faith, not by what you do or have. It's by the empty-handed receiving of Jesus into your life that life comes. Not by what you do or don't do, say or don't say, succeed or whatever. It's not by that. It's by receiving him with humble, open hands saying, I am broken. I can't fix myself. I need you. There's no inner circle. We, uh, we went to Mexico a few weeks ago. And, uh, and, I had an, and I had an interesting experience as I got on the plane. It's very interesting to me in airports. And every one of you have experienced this if you've traveled on a plane. You're all sat in the, in the waiting area. And you're looking, you're keeping an eye on when your flight is leaving and, the, and all that. And, you're, and, and, and I have to resist this. Sarah's far more relaxed than me. I start wanting to position myself to get on the plane. Like somehow it's going to leave without me like the last plane out of Nam. Do you know what I mean? I need to, I need to get on this plane because what I'm actually thinking is I don't want to get on the plane and be one of those people that go up and down the aisle with their travel luggage trying to find a spot. I want to find a spot right above my head because I don't trust anyone. I want to be able to get and see my, my bag. Now, those of you who are judging me, some of you are like that. I know you are. So I'm like, I'm thinking, and then they call the elite status. You know, and so if you're on a long flight, you don't even get to see them anymore. 
they don't, they don't make you, they don't allow plebs like me to walk through first class. They're in a, they have their own entrance onto the plane, you know, with gold steps and, I don't know, caviar as they go and all that. I, they have their own steps and I'm bitter and I'm jealous and I confess that, but so are you. So let's not, you know, so they have, but then just in the short haul flights, you get to walk through, it's not really first class bitterness coming out again. Business class. So this has actually happened <laughs> as I went on the plane. So I'm already kind of going, Lord, it's fine. I'm grateful that we're getting on the plane. I don't have to sit in this area with people who are like, you know, I'm sure they're lovely people. I'm sure some of them are even Christians. They're just lovely people. Let's just remember that. I'm getting on and I'm front and I actually heard somebody, first step of business class. I'm coming along he sat right there and he turns to his friend and he went, ooh, the smellies are getting on. I, I'm not even exaggerating. And I got to confess, I glared at him in a way, you've chosen the wrong guy at the wrong time, dude. And I looked and he looked at me and, he, and I knew that he knew that I knew that he knew that I knew that I was thinking that he was thinking that I was thinking, mm. He knew, just say that, and he kind of looked like that. Ooh, the smellies are getting on. It took me most of the flight, you know, just to let that go. The elite smellies. I, and so I'm just going to leave that with you. Maybe it's not biblical. I transfer my bitterness over to you. I'm sure he's a lovely man, probably a pastor. I don't know. There's no elite status. There's no inner circle. Because when you do have an inner circle, it leads to pride. The very nature of Christianity is it doesn't matter what you drive, what color of skin you have, your background, your experience, anything. We are all common under the sight of God. And it is this, that every one of us needs Jesus because every one of us struggles with sin. Boom. doesn't matter if you can buy a house for a hundred bucks or whether you are struggling Every day, it doesn't matter. We're all common. There's no elite status. There's no inner circle because that leads to pride. And Paul is saying, look, you follow after them. You're going down a line that is in its very nature is not Christian. And then, boom, he goes on to this verse. Christ is formed in you. That's what our focus is, that Christ be formed in you. So what he's doing now in Galatians is he's making a bit of a pivot His whole story up until now is about how Jesus is center. Jesus is the one you need. You don't need anything else. There's no elite status. You need to humbly come to him and he will radically change and transform you. Now he pivots a little bit and he brings in this whole new teaching and it's beautiful. So everything we've seen so far has been about justification, that Jesus paid for my sin, my shame, got slammed onto that cross, died with Jesus, and new life came from Jesus into me, radically changed, into you if you're a Christian this morning. That's the good news. But now Paul pivots, this Christ formed in you is summarizing another beautiful theology doctrine, sanctification, our change as Jesus is formed in us. So there's new life, now there's new lifestyle. Sanctification, made up of two Latin words. There's sanctus, which means holy. And then there's, there's ficare, which means make, to be made holy. That you, Christian friend, that there will be a day that you will be as Jesus is. Not now, which is another false teaching, by the way. 
that's coming out in a lot of mainstream churches in, in America right now. Some of you may have even heard people speak about this, especially connected to churches whose worship songs we often sing. That's a whole other sermon. There's this idea that you can be perfect now. That you can be holy and sinless now. Thereby doing away with the beautiful doctrine of sanctification. There is a present sanctification. There is a future sanctification. That you continually become more and more and more like Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. That Christ is formed in you. This new lifestyle. That over time, Romans 15 says, that the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit will form Jesus in you. And can I say this? Just like marriage, it's a transformative relationship. That's what sanctification is. So when Sarah and I got married 27 years ago almost, we've known each other now for 30 plus years. So at 27 years ago, we got married. Literally two people becoming as one. But we are different people now 27 years later than we were then. Not just because we've grown up, but because we are in relationship with one another. It's a transformative relationship. It's not two people on their own track just coming together every now and again. It's one person now transforming life together. You could almost say it's a sanctifying relationship. It's a relationship that leads to transformation. And it's exactly the same with God. We're different people who over time become, um, sorry, different people as a result of time spent with one another. In exactly the same way as marriage, as Christians, this sanctification, this new lifestyle. We become more like Jesus, that Jesus is continually formed in us, just like marriage, just like any relationship, through honesty. That I have to honestly come to Sarah, that Sarah honestly comes to me, that I live my life honestly before her, I communicate honestly to her, and just like God, we need to be honest with him about the nature of what's going on inside our lives. Just like in marriage, there needs to be communication and time spent. That I spend time with Jesus who loves me, who's being formed in me. This transformative relationship, this sanctification grows within me. That I become more like him because I'm continually communicating my need for him and my love for him and my my, uh, reverence for him and my obedience to him. And I'm becoming more and more like him through the challenges and suffering. I tell you some of the most beautiful, holy people where I feel like I'm actually in the presence of God after I've spent time with them are those that have been through the darkest, darkest times of life. They've not just skipped through life, but they've been, if I can say it this way, almost forced to recognize that Jesus is all they need because that's sometimes all they have got. They become like him. That's sanctification. That sanctification through the challenges. And Paul is honest with us. He says, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth. That this form, this formation of Jesus in us, this sanctification comes as a result of suffering. So bear with me for a second. Suffering from Jesus on the cross. Our sin and shame dying with him through faith and belief and receiving of that. His life being imputed onto us that I am now righteous and my sanctification starts. So his suffering kickstarts my sanctification. But Paul is saying, and you will see it in New Testament constantly, that he has suffered for the people. I rejoice in my sufferings, he says. 
So let me, let me just make this statement, and I, and I wish I had time to jump into it more. In order for sanctification to happen, there has to be some suffering. Suffering from Jesus, but also suffering with you and me. Because what Paul is saying is that for the gospel to be furthered initially when somebody comes to know him, but also ongoing, there has to be some suffering. It's this childbirth. I could even say it this way, that the gospel stops when you and I are not willing to suffer anymore. Let me give you an example. For you to fully communicate the good news of the gospel means that you are going to have to put yourself in a position where potentially there needs to be some suffering. It might be that people think differently about you, act differently around you, and say things about you. It's suffering. But the gospel is being furthered. It is impossible for the gospel to be furthered in communicating the initial life change without you actually placing yourself in a place of potential suffering. If we back off from that and look for comfort from that and security from that, we'll stop opening our mouths and communicating the love of Jesus because it's just too risky. We might end up suffering. It goes further than that. We have to put aside our own preferences in order for other people who are sat around you, Christian friends, for them to grow. For us to grow and become more like Jesus, there's a togetherness. I need to put myself out for you. You need to put yourself out for me. You need to put time aside for the person who might be sat next to you or sat on the other side of the room from you today. You need to put time aside and you may even need to suffer as you walk alongside them shoulder to shoulder in their difficulty and their burden. That's suffering. That's childbirth sometimes. If you've never experienced that with another Christian friend, you've never fully partaken in discipling somebody. If you've not stayed awake at night wondering and thinking and feeling the empathy and the burden of another person's life, you have perhaps not positioned yourself well for true discipleship. Just being honest. For those of you who have placed yourself shoulder to shoulder with somebody else in their life, where you've literally said, when you fall, I will be there, and, not, and sometimes I'll do the walking for you, thank you. Thank you for furthering the gospel. Thank you for showing what Christianity truly is all about. Thank you for willingly loving Jesus more than your own life. Thank you for loving that other person more than your own life. That's Christianity. And so Paul is saying the pains of childbirth because I want Christ to be formed in you so I'm going to place myself in a position of suffering potentially. That's Christianity. And the gospel stops when we're not willing to suffer. When Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow after me, friends, what do we actually think that means? Do we think that it just means that every now and again somebody might be nasty to us? You know, people lose their lives to this day because of their faith in Jesus Christ. What it means is on a daily basis, you are willing to put the the love of Christ and the love of people ahead of your own preferences, comfort, and security. That's a cross. And I warn anybody who wants to go into ministry, whether it be ministry like what I do or ministry like what you do every day, be warned, if you really, really want to step into ministry, then you need to be prepared to suffer. You need to be prepared to suffer. 
That's the testimony of Christians through the centuries. That's the testimony of Christians sat in this room. And I am so grateful I get to pastor an incredible group of people who daily do that. I know because I hear the stories. Sometimes I want to share them. And they go, no, no, please don't. She's testimony again to the nature of Christianity. I don't need to do it to be heard. I do it because he did it for me. And then he pulls it all together. My dear children, for whom I am finishing with this, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I got pretty excited when I looked at what the meaning of this word you means. Because this might mean that Paul actually was from Texas. Because it actually means <laughs> that Christ formed in y'all. All of you. Let's go back again to the scripture that Christ is formed in yous, as they'd say in Liverpool. In all of yous, every one of you, all of yous, Jesus, great. So maybe he was, I think, I like the idea of him being Liverpudlian than Texan. So I'm going to change that. Pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in yous. So what am I getting at here? To be part of a church, to be part of Christianity, to be part of this South family, to be part of what goes on here for those who he- listen online, for those Christian friends who are part of the South who aren't here this morning, to be part of what we are as a family at Willow Park Church is that, yes, we're saying that we will stand with one another and love one another and put our sails aside for one another. We will do that because that's part of Christianity. We won't just pay lip service to it. We won't just try and push it in. But we'll actually, like Jackie and Jace were saying, we are willing to open our homes every other Saturday, not just so that they can gather friends together and eat together. That's wonderful. But that the gospel and Christ be formed in yous. That's what being part of this church is about. And so if you're looking at the South as a church that you might want to commit your life to and and your family to, praise Jesus, I love that. But be gently, lovingly warned by a guy who's been around the block a few times in this church. This church is not about attendance. If you want to just come and attend, theoretically you can. But here's what will happen. Over time you'll become cynical and critical. I'm just being honest. Because the vast majority of the people who come to the south are ones that are part of this Christ being formed in yous, in us. It's us together. Christ formed together. Together we're changed. Together we show Jesus to a world desperate for answers. Your presence here in this place this morning and next Sunday and in all the different activities we had, your presence shows Christ being formed It's an encouragement. You matter. Yes, you. If I could point at each one of you, I would. You matter. Your story matters. Your love for Jesus matters. Your experience matters. Your strengths matter. Your gifts matter. We need yous. Every one of you. We need you. We need you to turn up. We need you to come. We need you to worship together. I need you to go to South Art Project. I need you to go to a community group. I says, wow, are you talking as a pastor? No, I'm talking as a Christian. I need you. So on, on Thursday night, I was sat in the... I, sh- I, I swear I should start getting sponsorship deals. I was in Barn Owl Thursday night with Pete and Sean. And Pete said, so let's talk about idols. 
Brilliant. Let's sit in a pub with a non-alcoholic alcoholic beer and let's talk about idols. Let's talk about that. What idols do you have, Sean? Wow. We were there a long time. Is Sean here this morning? No, he wasn't. He'd be horrified. What, what idols do you have, Pete? What idols do you have, Glenn? See, that's Christ being formed in us. That's church. Do you want to be part of that? Because you matter. You contribute. Never feel like you have nothing to add. And can I say this as I finish? If all you can do is crawl here, metaphorically speaking, if it takes every effort and every ounce of your strength to get here, thank you. You're needed. We need you. Amazingly, Christ needs you. Not that he's needy, but his plan is to use the most broken, lonely, sometimes the the people who are feeling like they're just dragging their way through. That speaks volumes to a life, sorry, to a world of fake. Doesn't it? When you are just dragging, like, I hate using the word drag. When, you, when it is tough to get through life and you're just making it and you take that, but I still, Christ is everything to me message into the world, the world has no answer to that. We are God's counterculture. Don't ever settle for less than what you were made for because you were made for Christ to be formed in you. That's your destiny. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? Christ formed in you. You want to know what the will of God is for your kid? Christ formed in them. Will of God is for your neighbor? Christ formed in them. And God in his amazing wisdom somehow has chosen a village idiot like me, and not you obviously, to actually communicate the truth of his gospel and become a minister of reconciliation to a lonely, broken, hurting, desperate, fake world. Welcome to church. That's what church, that's what Christianity is about. That Christ knows you, understands you, and hear me, is not fed up with you. Some of you need to hear that. I wrote it and I was like, that's a strange thing for me to write. And I was like, no, actually, that's true. He's not fed up with you. He loves you. We love you. It's amazing. Okay, that's God's sign for me to stop. I want to pray. And I'm praying with a grateful heart because I know what goes on behind the scenes in this place. And I want to pray for you as you consider and reflect on why you are here. This is not a drive-by guilting. This is a join us because this is an exciting bus with first class in a non-inner circle way. All smellies are welcome. Amen? (laughs) Oh, that's great. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, grateful for your word. I love this book, Lord. This misguided group of Galatians. And Lord, I'm thankful that the message to them 2,000 years ago is exactly relevant to us today. That Lord, I pray that as a church that we would be fully focused on the beauty of the promise that Christ formed in us is your goal for us. That we would become like you, Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray, even though I've not given steps to this, that, Father, 
that, that truth would emerge as to what that means for us. That, Lord, that you would speak clearly to us. Lord, for those in the room who don't know you, that, God, that they would seek you out for that new life. Lord, for those in the room who feel like maybe you are fed up with them, that, Lord, that they would just be flooded with a sense of acceptance and love from you. And, Lord, I pray that we would increasingly become a church of y'all. That together, that, Lord, we can see incredible things happen in our city that we love. That together, we would see incredible things happen in the streets and the roads that we live on. And together, we would see incredible things happen in one another's lives. So, Lord, I pray that just as your word says, that this sanctification, that we would be sanctified, as your word says in Romans, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray you would start that even as we sing right now. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus.